Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Third week of a three-part series about renewing the mind. And uh, Pastor Bronson kicked it off a couple of weeks ago and he, uh, he started it off because it was just after New Year's and traditionally, you know, people make New Year's trip, uh, resolutions and I st- stopped doing that about 30 years ago. Um, but, you know, but because of the simple fact that they don't really work. They're, they're a good intention. And intentions, I think, are good. There's nothing wrong with good intentions, but you have to be able to try and follow through on those things. Um, because they really don't change our mind. They really don't change our lives. And what we're looking at in this series is the fact that the renewed mind in Christ is what does change your mind. It's what does change your life. And so Bronson uh, spoke about, you know, who are your mentors, who are you letting speak into your life uh, and that sort of stuff. And I heard something on uh, the radio the other day where somebody was talking about influencers and mentors on Instagram and places like that. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, but I'm not going to let that person influence me. I mean, they're saying this is how we should dress and this is how we should think and this is what we should do. And I thought, and I would like to go back and have a look at the foundation of their life and just see what's there. I'm not being critical of that sort of thing, but really, who is mentoring our life? Who is influencing our life? And that's, I find that to be a really big um, uh, you know, example of life. And then what are the motivations for change in our life? It's the same as uh, Miles said there, what are our motivations for, ch- uh, for fasting? Is it just to lose weight? Well, probably that's not such a bad idea. I, I, don't, I don't kick that. Um, I like it. works for me. But I have to also have some other motivation. Uh, and for me, it's for the life of this church, which was birthed in my spirit many years ago, and it's still there. And so I'll, I'll be doing that. But so what's, and of course, to do that, though, I must have a mindset that can do that. And it's a renewed mind that allows me to, to fast the way that I fast. Um, but also, he, he, we also looked at um, building momentum and that, and then he went on to look at uh, when we experience emotional and mental pain. I think that's been covered a couple of times this morning, especially in the same page. Um, who was that? Norma was talking about that. A friend of hers uh, was going through that sort of stuff. How, how do we do that? What's our mind allowing us to, to get, be engaged when we're doing that sort of stuff, going through that sort of thing? And are the right messages getting into my mind? Uh, what purposes do we have and what are, about our relationship networks? And you can find all those challenges, all those, those messages on our YouTube. And um, what else have we got? Instagram. We've got Instagram. How many people here are really good at Instagram? I'm hopeless at it. <laughs> I don't know how to do it very much. But, yeah, so we can do that on our YouTube and podcast channels. There we go. i got it in my notes here. Uh, so you'd, all you have to do is go uh, Google Elevation Church, Melbourne West, and something like that will show up. So those messages will show up, and, and they're, they're worthwhile looking at, listening to. So today I'm going to wrap up this series as we look at how do I actually renew my mind? How do I actually renew my mind? Because in all reality, I play a huge part in it. God plays his part in it, and as Zoe mentioned uh, before, you know, he never stops working. He never stops working. And I'm going to mention how he never stops working. I should say he never stops nagging <laughs> for us to take on what he expects us to do. And so how we, we're going to have a look at that. Uh, the, and the spoiler, uh, spoiler there is that I actually do it. 
with God's help. And I think that that's such an important thing. Hey, can we just pray before we go on this morning? Father, I thank you for every person that's in here this morning. I thank you, Lord, they've come to hear from you for, out of obedience or however it is, my God, but that we are here today because you have drawn us here by your Holy Spirit to be part of this family, to be part of this body with our friends and our loved ones and, God, the people that we know in Christ. And I thank you today for your anointing on this word, God, that we could be more than we are today and all that you want us to be in the future. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So we've been looking at a scripture Paper notes, you see. You haven't seen those for years, have you? <laughs> Trouble with paper notes. They don't move around too well. So Romans 12.2 is what the scripture that we're looking at. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's our anchor scripture for this series. And a brief uh, explanation of the patterns of this world. The way the world does stuff. I'm not talking about this globe that we live on. I'm talking about the, the environment that we live in, this world that we live in, the whole condition of humankind in our state of separation from and our resistance to God's will in our lives. Because we resist. I've been walking with God for 40 years. Most of you is not even that old. Most of you really think, I'm 72 next month. How many people think that's old? hate you okay it is old it's a problem it's not really because I'm enjoying life it's just that I can't enjoy it as fast as I used to so we see though that in John 7 7 Jesus wasn't a big fan of the world that we live in the environment that we live in and he says in John 7 7 the world cannot hate you and I, I love the way he says that the world cannot love you hate you because you actually love the world and we do the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that its works are evil. It's not a bad word, that word evil, in terms of it pulls us up pretty sharp, you know. If I do something evil, that's, mm, that's just, that's, that's, there's more emphasis on that on just doing something wrong, yeah? So anyway, he says that. But the thing is that not everything in the world that we live on is bad. Well, the world that we live in is bad. But it's when its cultures, when its values, when its opinions, and when its actions conflict with and are contrary to the teachings of Jesus that we have problems. And we live in this tension, even when we're Christians. Because we know now, you see, there's something of a tension in our lives, yeah? It's there. Before I got saved, it didn't matter because I didn't know. But now that I've given my life to Christ and now that he's come and saved me and I've experienced his incredible grace and his amazing love and his miracle healings and all those things, there's this constant tension that's there because I really do not mind doing it my own way. Yeah? And I'm pretty strong-willed. Yeah. So we go on and the second part of that, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Powerful. So we're instructed to do this. No excuses. Not to. There really isn't any, any excuse not to. In Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, it says, for as a man thinks in his heart, 
So is he. As we allow our mind to be, as we engage in our own mind, as we allow those things that we think about to be prioritized in our lives, that's who we are. That's who we are. See, what we think, what we believe, what we want, what we desire determines how we behave. There they are. They do. They really do determine how we behave, how I behave, what I do, how I behave. But the thing is, how I behave now determines what I become later. That is a real truth. You know, uh, and I'm, I'm probably going to pick on the young people here a little bit today, but because I was once young, I was. But the thing is, you see, when you're young, you think, oh, well, I can fix that up later. You can't. It, you can't. You need to deal with it now. If it's brought to your attention now, learn to fix it now. Do it now, because you see, you might not get a second chance at this. So do it now. So either we're becoming more and more like Jesus or we're becoming less and less like Jesus. And that's the truth. So there's no gray area. I was talking to Chad the other day and he said to me, you know something about you? There's no gray, is there? It's all black or white. <laughs> but it's, it's just the way it is. So in Ephesians 4, 22, 22, 24, it says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God, in true righteousness and holiness. Now, I read that scripture for the first time about six weeks after I'd been saved, and it was like a bombshell went off in my mind. It, there was something that shattered I, I, there was a certain amount of knowing in my life, but there was something that really affected the way that I thought. The challenge that there was more to this Christian life than just seeing a couple of miracles of God, then I could just go hallelujah forever. That there was a challenge there for me to change. Now, obviously, I had a lot to change from, but there were certain, a lot of things that I thought that I didn't have to change from that I've since found that I do. And so those are those things. So that was over 40 years ago. So we see that there's three stages here. First of all, I need to lay aside or discard or put off the old self. Put it off, discard it. The old self with our worldly viewpoints and our selfish or our fleshly desires, the way that we want to do it, the way that we want to do it. Now, if I was Bronson, I'd stand here and say, turn to the person next to you and say, the way that you want to do it. <laughs> Sorry, mate because I think they're watching this. But now this is a bit of a heavy scripture. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10 says, Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. That is a pretty heavy scripture. Galatians 5, 20, 21 goes on and says, Hatred, discord, jealousy, Fits of rage, selfish ambition, division, factions and envy and the like. I challenge you today, stand up in your workplace and recite that scripture and see how long you last. The world hates those scriptures. And we don't particularly like them either, but we, we, we understand that they're God's word and we do accept them. We're not anti those type of people who do those. Oh, I'm certainly not. Because I have to then be anti myself. Because I love the scripture that goes on here and says, 
Um, where are we? 1 Timothy 1.10. The immoral and homosexuals and liars and prejudice and whatever else is contrary to the sound teaching, liars. How many people tell a little white lie occasionally? See, guys, there's no difference, okay? Can I just really emphasize that, that we can point our fingers as much as we like, but God will even take it down to the very, very minimum situation. So there we go. So in Romans you know, 12, uh, 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, we love the word sin, yeah, especially if we're holy. We like to use it like a badminton puck, you know, throw it around at people. But let me tell you what sin really is. It's not about being bad. It's not about doing the wrong thing. Sinning is when we miss God's mark for our lives. When we miss God's purpose for it. That's what sin is. It's not wrong or bad. It's those things. I took uh, Ethan and Dylan shooting a couple of weeks ago. We went down to a rifle range down in, um, uh, down that way anyway, east. And they had a ball. They really had a great time. But tell me, Ethan, what was the aim, or excuse the pun, what was the aim of the exercise? Hit the bullseye, yeah? And how many shots did you have? 100 shots. It was a 22. And so here's the question. How many times did you really try to hit the bullseye? A hundred times out of a hundred. Now that's about as good an analogy as you're ever going to get. It's not a matter that he managed to get a hundred out of a hundred. I saw his target and he got about three. No, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. He did very well, actually. He did very well. But he tried to hit it a hundred times and he missed possibly 50. Very, very close. Those other maybe 20 that were really close. And then it just spreads out. So where is my life standing? Am I just content with the spread? Or do I want the concentration of that? And that's where God never gives up on us. And as I said, he never stops working. He never stops working. You can do better than that. He expects us to do better than that. And that's how that works. And it can be this subtle, though. We're here today, okay, so Bronson and Gabby are not here. And how many people help put out the chairs and tables, table and chairs outside the carpet and that sort of stuff? It's sort of a bit of an onerous job that we do on a Sunday morning. I think the hosts are supposed to do it, but they never ever seem to get here on time. Uh, sorry, you've got to love me. Um, so usually it's, it's, it's Ethan and me and a couple of other people who do it. And so today, you know, what was the weather like this morning? It was, yeah, it wasn't raining when we got here though. It was sort of cloudy over to the west and sunny over to the east. And so we're going, oh, maybe we can get away with not putting out the table and chairs. Because Gabby's not here. Yeah? Didn't we? we th- I mean, this is what we thought. Mark was around somewhere too, and he came and dropped Ezekiel off, and he went and had his coffee. Oh, maybe we won't have to do it today. But I knew in my heart that this weather was going to go over and that we needed to do it. That we should do it. And I said to Ethan... I said to Ethan, yeah, but we should do it, shouldn't we? And he goes, oh, yeah, I know. I know. So I sent Gabby a message saying, you know, do we do the tables and chairs because it looks pretty bad? And, you know, she came back, she says, it's up to you. So I said to Ethan, looks like we're doing it, mate. Not that I want to do it because it's actually quite hard work. It actually takes quite a bit of time and, it, you know, that sort of stuff. So we did it with a smile. 
But as you see, doing those things, as I know, and I looked at my own kids and looked at my grandkids, as they, they were forced to do those things when they came to church. I look at their lives now and I go, God worked in that. He brought increase out of that. God could touch that. may not like it, just like I still don't like it. But those little subtle things. I love the way that C.S. Lewis says all this about us, about the Christian experience. The Christian way is different. It's harder, yet it's easier. Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money and so much of your work. I want you. I have not come to torment your your natural self, but to kill it. No half measures are any good. I don't want to cut off a branch here and a branch there. I want to have the whole tree out. I don't want to drill the tooth, crown the tooth, or stop the tooth. I want to have it out. Hand over the whole natural self, all desire which you think are innocent, as well as the ones you think are wicked, the whole outfit, and I will give you a new life instead. In fact, I will give you myself. And this is the truth that we live in. This is, the, this is the life that we live in. And you know, this is why it's such a good thing to come to church, so that once a week we can actually sit under this truth, under this, the emotion and the knowledge of this truth. And the presence of God in this truth. I'm not saying you can't do it at home because you could and you should. But that's why it's so good to come to church. See, we're not, we're, we see this is not an optional extra. It's not like buying a car and do you want your tinted windows. This is essential criteria. So we go from laying aside or discarding and putting off the old self. Gee, doesn't time fly when you're having fun? <laughs> be continually renewed in your mind. That's the second thing we need to do, to be continually renewed in our mind. And this is a critical point. It's about constant change. I'm not talking about, you know, whether we want to or not. How many people here like change? Not very many people. There's certain people, about 10% of the world like change. Now, I love new experiences. I love changing and new experiences. Ask my wife. She's a bit reticent. You know, she comes along, puts the wetsuit on and goes scuba diving, you know. Puts the bike gear on and goes touring, all that sort of stuff. If I was younger, she'd put the parachute on and jump out of a plane, you know. And then after she'd done about 30 or 40 of those, I'd let her off. Not really change looking in terms of experience. Some people like change in their own lives, and Norma actually is a real change agent in her own life. She makes me sick. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's that little cricket that sits on Pinocchio's shoulder's name? Jiminy Norma, yeah. It's good. But you see, only about 10% of people live for that sort of change. The rest, we don't like it. We want to do it our own way. And that's the truth. Whereas God wants us to do it his way. In 2 Corinthians 10, 5, it says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Now, I had a verse of the day today. My verse of the day says this. It's, it's, here we go, it's on my computer. Matthew 16, 24 from the Message Bible says this. Then Jesus went to work on his disciples. I love it. It's me with a big stick. 
Not really. But Jesus went to work on his disciples. I love it because he, know, he knew what they were thinking. He knew the entire of them. He knew their motives. And he says, anyone who tends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. From the message version. And I like that interpretation. See, we see that we have, and here we need to demolish these arguments. Because we have three enemies. We have the world that we talked about before. We have our flesh. The flesh, not this flabby thing that's hanging off my arm now. But the flesh is our own desires. Those things that we want and expect to have. And the, and the devil. And these very real, believe me. All of these things are yelling at us all the time. They've all got their bit in the game. All want their own uh, you know, area of, of influence in our life. They all have expectations on us. And that's where those thoughts and those temptations that bombard our lives all the time come from. Those desires that tempt us, those lies, those excuses and those arguments. None of them in themselves are sin. But when we act on them, they are. It's the action that we do by obedience to those things that become the truth. You see, we are to demolish them and pull them down intentionally. Because what we give... What we obey becomes an authority in our lives. What we obey becomes an authority in our lives. And I think that that is so important even in child rearing. I'm not talking about brutal obedience. I'm talking about training our children to obey because how else are they going to learn it? Because naturally, naturally, we don't. Is that true? Parents, why do you ever have to say no? Because the first word out of your child's mouth is no. Yeah? Fam amazing, isn't it? The greatest joy I have is my grandchildren. I'm not so sure that I'm their greatest joy because I'm always saying no. Yeah? And how, how persistent am I, jo Joel? Yeah, 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 yeah. I never stop. But I can probably say now that I probably do it with a bit more love than I did with my own children. And if I had it over again, I would do that. I would certainly express my love a lot more for my own kids. You know, and that sort of thing, because it's, it's not bad being a grandparent. It's a lot of fun. Where was I? Obedience. Here's the thing. In looking at all this, we're not alone. We don't actually have to do it by ourselves. Here's the good news. Not only did Jesus save us, not only did he come into the world to love you enough to die for you, to lay down his life that you might have eternal life in Christ, that you would know the Father, that you could have, you know, a hope in this world that doesn't give us any hope whatsoever, that could have some concrete values, that could give you something that you could live for and pass on. And if you're, not, if you're here today and you've never sort of bowed your knee to Jesus Christ, you might believe in him, but have you bowed your knee to him? Have you said, Jesus, I let you be Lord of my life? And yeah, if you haven't done that today, I would like to give you the opportunity to do that when we finish this message. So John 14, 26 is, and this is, where we're going with this, where, uh, you know, where, where God hasn't left us by ourselves. John 14, 26, when the Holy Spirit or the Comforter comes, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So it's not hard. 
You have the Holy Spirit who God gives to us when we get saved, and you need to learn to listen to him. You need to learn to listen to him. Take his instruction. But you need to read the, the, the word of God to, to know what he's going to say. Because he'll only say what the scriptures say so that he has something to remind you about. Listen to good teaching or good preaching. People who you can respect. Other people who maybe have got their lives together, you can ask, ask them, so how did you do that? How did you do that? And ask them the question, so what did God teach you so that you could do that? Because let me tell you this. I don't believe that you really increase in life, that you grow in the way that God wants you to grow without God's help somewhere along the line. You can't do it by yourself. And if you've been around a while, you'll know full well that that's the truth. So the third thing we need to do is put on the new nature, regenerated, the regenerated self, created to be God like God himself. Yeah, we do it. It's a gift from God. You need to put off and put on, uh, be renewed in your spirit of mind, then put on. I want to give you a, a graphic story of how this worked for me. Uh, early on in my Christian life, I'd probably been saved uh, six months and without going into any detail, without trying to, without attempting to be, I don't know, but anyway, I had a, a, quite a bitter separation from Bronson's mother and it was not pleasant. And we went through, you know, a lot of hell in, through that whole thing and what it did effectively in the end, it basically ended, I ended up with an incredibly bitter heart out of the injustice, out of the lies. Now, I'm not saying I didn't do the same. I can't remember doing the same because I was so innocent in the whole thing, of course, which is never true. But I can remember that constantly I would be going through this argument, this, this destructive thing that would want some form of revenge. That yet, if you've ever been through it, if you've ever been through it, you know what I'm talking about. It just constantly goes at you. I would have loved for a truck to run her over. And I would have preferred if I was driving the truck. And I don't say that with any pride. I say that uh, with regret, really. Because this thing, would, and the, the thing is that God never let me go. You need to forgive her. You need to forgive her. Seven times 70, every day. True. And I was driving into Gympie once because I was up, uh, up in Queensland and I was driving into, into Gympie, driving around the corner where there was a little service station on Skyrim Creek at my Rover 3000. And as I went around there, I felt like the Holy Ghost and I was doing this thing in my head. Is there anybody, am I the only person that's ever been there? You know? And this thing, and I kept saying, and I just the, the pressure from God to forgive. And I said, but I can't. And, you know, just something happened. It was like I caught a glimpse of God. And he's like, if I was to say here to you and then handball you a ball, you'd immediately become conscious of it, wouldn't you? You'd be in a catching stance. And it was like in a split second, a millisecond, as I, and I sensed God and he basically said here and he handballed me this Thing. And it was, and many of you have heard the story, but, and I saw in this instant that it was his forgiveness. His forgiveness of me for all the things that I'd done. His forgiveness, his love, his hand. And, and, and in his eyes were this, this, you know, this puppy dog eyes sort of stuff. Not that I want to say about God like that, but you know, this love for me. 
And as he handballed me this forgiveness, and as I recognize it, I heard him say, now pass it on. Now pass it on. Bang. Pass it on. About a quarter of a kilometer or half a kilometer down the road, I stopped and I wept. I wept for the release. I wept for the love of God. But I also wept because something came into my heart, some into my mind, this renewed mind that happened to me at that instant, where I had this real hope for her life. I had this real desire that the person that she'd taken up with was, would be good for her, that her life would be good. That is what God can do when the truth of God touches your mind. It's the same with love. It's the same with a number of those things. It's the same with our giving. It's the same with our serving. It's the same with a lot of those things. The renewed mind. We don't do them out of duty. We do them because our mind has been renewed in the love of God, yeah? I know no other way of doing it. So here's the thing. How do I know? How do I know? Where's the conflict in this? And the thing is that I was hungry for this peace of God. And every time this thought would come, I'd be in turmoil and the peace of God wouldn't be there. And there's this arbitration from God that challenges you. And and it's in in Colossians 3.15. Let the peace that Christ gives control or guard your thinking. Let that happen. And the peace of God in Philippians 4.7. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, there's some of us here today and you're not so much running from God, but you're moving sideways like a crab (laughs) away from God's will for your life. You know, you know. Because I believe that if, if, you know, if we call Christ our Saviour, we do know. But you're sort of trying to, if, if I can just get God to see it my way, yeah? Here's the thing. God is not your grandmother. You can't twist Him around your finger, okay? God is never going to change. God will persistently, with incredible love and incredible patience, persistently draw you back to where he wants to get you to be going and there can be anything that bloke that you're keen on young people you know full well he's not the guy for you or she's not the guy for you girl for you in your giving struggle yeah and the fact of the matter is that mum and dad do usually know best yeah the parents said yeah and if they're not right your granddad is But we're trying to get God to see it our way. If I could just get God to see it my way, He's never going to do that. Can we just bow our heads this morning, close our eyes? There's some people in this room today that that peace of God evades you. It just continuously evades you. And you're, you're hunting it like a You're hunting it like a dog on a scent, trying to grab a hold of this thing, this truth, this this peace of God. You're looking for answers. And you may not know Christ in this place today, or you may, but you may not know Christ today in this place. And can I say this? 
It's God's peace that you hunger for today. And it is a gift. It is a gift. It doesn't, it's free, but it'll cost you your whole life. But the thing is that it's there. And if I encourage you today in your own perception, in your own mind's eye to, you know, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Imagine Him and see Him and look at Him and regard Him. Give Him your life today. Look right into His face. It's a wonderful, wonderful face. And then over a period of time, and it's not going to be necessarily instant, although some of them will be, but it could take the next 50 years, the troubles and pains will grow strangely dim. See, the things that affect me now are dim compared with the things that affected me all those years ago in the light of His glory and grace.